hear me when I say this today. We have destroyed a witness by the way that we are behaving. Folks, if you want people to see Christ in you, Christ needs to be first in your life, not your politics, not your president, not your belief system, not any of these things. Christ, Christ alone needs to be first in your life. Welcome to the Where the Wild Things Aren't podcast today. And I have thought about this and I had a couple questions and wanted to give some answers from studies um, and not just go off of what I said uh, the first time I talked about it. But today I want to kind of look at Romans 13, Romans 13, chapter and verse one. Um, it says, let everyone be in submission to governing authority. So. My question is, what does it mean to submit to governing authority? What does it mean to submit to the authority? Well, I've studied and looked all this up, tried to figure out the best way I can word this. And, and why am I going back to it? Well, it was because the questions that I was asked after the first time I talked about what it means to submit to authority when talking about the government. This was probably a year ago, and it, and it continues to be asked. So I wanted to share this question. You know, and the question kind of is, what about in moral situations? What do we what are we supposed to do if if the authority is asking us to go against God? Well, the answer is you don't go against God. That's the short answer. And and we're going to talk about that. But I want to go back and I'll get there. But I want to kind of look at the topic altogether again and just talk about it for a moment. And, And I found a commentary. I believe it was in the MacArthur New Testament uh, commentary where it it says the basic command is simple and succinct. Let every person be in subjection to governing authority. And in the broadest sense, every person applies to every human being. So, you know, if we look at that, we think about that. It's it's this basic command of of submit to authority. Now. I think this is where we can take a number of other scriptures and really throw some things together and really have this conversation. Number one is when they, when the disciples asked Jesus what they should do about taxes, what did he do? He took the coin and he said, rend Caesar what is Caesar's, but rend God what is God's. And what he means by that is that the government, in order to work properly, would need funds so you give caesar what is caesar's if his picture is on it if the government is on the money then you give the money you pay the tax but your life as we talked about many times probably your life bears the image of god so i want to talk about this in a way that you know we give our life to god and and we submit but when we look at this and we really dive into this Paul continues through this chapter and he continues to explain what he means when he's talking about being subject to authority. And there's a key part of this that I think we've been missing today. And and part of this conversation also stems from this idea that people can say and do what they want to do. Look, folks, I 
I want to address the elephant in the room first, and then I want to talk about it. <laughs> the elephant in the room is this. Christians are not behaving like Christians. If you are claiming the name of Christ, if you are claiming the blood of Christ, if you are claiming to be a Christian, you've got to hold yourself to some authoritative, some moral character, some moral standard. Now, understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we don't make mistakes, that we don't do things that we shouldn't do. I'm not saying that God is not a forgiving and loving God. I'm saying that there is a standard for us, and that standard is Christ. And we must attempt to live up to that. How can we do that? Well, the best way is to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. But what we're seeing in all of this, subjecting ourselves to the governing authority, let's look at this twofold. Number one, it includes much more than just simply obeying the civil laws. It, it's... It, it's a genuine honor and respect for government officials as God's appointed, God's anointed, so to speak. Now, that may not make sense, but it, hear what I'm saying. God is sovereign. And so we as citizens of the country that we live in or any other country, the, the reality simply is this. In, as Americans, we have this sense of entitlement that is different than almost any other country in the world. And that is this free society freedom that we think we have. And the reality of what we do is we go and, I mean, having been to another country, having seen other countries, having having been in one, you submit to the governing authority when you're there you don't want to break the laws you don't want to end up doing something that is wrong let's just put it this way paul is writing to the church in rome the capital of the empire and we could get into all these arguments that are happening here but most people did not enjoy legal protection or presumed innocence that's kind of the way we are now in our society but at the time in regards to crimes against the state you were basically if you didn't do what the state told you to do you could be put to death and and paul's arguments here are that we should recognize what is taking place see one of the biggest things that i find and and one of the hardest things to understand is that well i mean just think of what paul's life looked like i mean paul was arrested for his stance paul was put into prison and paul still used the authority and appealed to rome so that he could get a trial in rome now we could look at all of these different things we could think about all of these different things but but Paul used the authority that was there. Now, he followed his own instruction, and after being falsely accused of breaking Roman law, he and Silas were brutally beaten, thrown in prison, and placed in stocks in Philippi. And then instead of railing out against the ones that had mistreated them 
and demanding their rights from the authorities. They spent the first night in jail until the Lord delivered them. What were they doing? They were praying and singing songs. Folks, sometimes our submission to authority is in fact what others will see and sets an example. Now, again, we could get into the conversation of whether it's moral or not, but that's not what I'm talking about right now. What I'm talking about is the fact that we, as followers of Christ, should be the model citizen. We should be setting the example for others. That is, that we should be living a morally just life, that we should be living according to the will of God and according to the word of God. We can't just pick and choose this verse or that verse that stands out. And see, here's the problem. Believers are to be model citizens, law-abiding citizens, and not stirring dissension, not rabble-rousing, not... Um, not rebellious we are so we are to be respectful of government officials we are to be respectful of the government itself rather than demeaning it we may not agree with it but there's better ways that's the point that's being made here is that Jesus the authority that Jesus challenged in the scripture was the religious authority it was not the government authority Jesus did exactly what, you know, he, he was respectful in his trials. He was respectful in the way that things took place. Even, I would argue, decently respectful with the religious leaders. The, the only time you really see that he, you know, he called things as they were, and the religious leaders were to know better. They knew what he was talking about. They knew what he was preaching against. And the reality is, is that, We've taken this attack on the government as our religious leader. Well, folks, if you're going after the government in the way that Jesus went after the religious leaders of the day, here's the problem. What are you worshiping? Understand what I'm saying here. If you're going after the government the way that Jesus went after the religious leaders of the day, in fact, we've left to the government so much that the church should be doing anyway. But Paul talks about being godly, being peaceable with one another, living at peace with one another, really working to to do things the way that they should be done. Not stirring dissension, not stirring all of these anger and, and all of these problems that are out there. See, the reality of all of this is that it tells us to be in subjection. Now, the word that is used there is a military term. It it refers to soldiers who were ranked. And so we should be sub, in subjection. Now, Paul gives no qualification or condition. Every civil authority is to be submitted to willingly. And in his first letter to Timothy, Paul teaches that... Um, that petitions and thanksgivings and all of these things be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who were in authority in order that we might lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. In other words, we pray for the leaders. We pray for our authority figures. We pray for our friends. We pray for those around us. We pray and we offer petitions to the Lord and we try our best to remain quiet 
and tranquil. Godliness and dignity, as Paul puts it. See, what Paul did is he remind he reminds them. In, in fact, he, he tells Titus, remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every contradiction for all men. He, in fact, admonished the, the Thessalonian Christians to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. So hear what I'm saying. Where have we gone wrong? When did we decide that we needed to defend God in such a way that we are? Folks, it's not about my rights. It's not about your rights. It's about his kingdom. And the reality of what we're looking at today is that we've seen this really get stirred up in, in society. This, this religious movement to protect everyone from the wrath of the evil. Well, the reality simply is this. If they are in the government, according to what Paul says in, in Romans 13, if they have an authority position, that means they have been anointed of God. They have been given that position of God. Well, what does that mean for us as followers of Christ? What does that mean for us as citizens of this country? How should we be responding? Well, I'll look back to the Old Testament, to David. And, and I know this might sound odd, to go back to David and, and, and Saul and that whole dispute. But hear what I'm about to say. You go back to the Old Testament. You look at David's life and you look at the times that David could have killed Saul. Saul, in fact, trying to kill David. There's this dissension between them. But one time when they have Saul in a place where he could be killed. The servant goes to David and says, I can do this. And David says, don't touch him. He is God's anointed. And there will be consequences. Even though he had the ability probably to do it and, and, and take care of all of his problems in that moment. David recognized the authority of Saul. That he was anointed by God as king of Israel. And it, therefore he was God's anointed. So he was going to lay back and stay away from that situation folks as bad as you don't want to hear this next statement i'm going to make it and help you understand where we're going with this and that is this the president of the united states is anointed by god for the position that he is in at this moment regardless of what you think should happen god knew this time would happen God knew that these days would happen. Nothing can happen without the approval of God. Therefore, any world leader that has moved into position of authority, while the world will try to tell you that it was because of the votes or it was because of all of these different things. No, it wasn't. It was because God allowed it to happen the way that it did because of his plans and his kingdom and what is you know, I mean, yes, it may be that certain circumstances added up certain ways, but nothing can happen without the authority of God being involved. Whether you believe it or not, that's the truth. That's what the scripture tells us, that he is the one who appoints the leaders. Trust me, if it were so detrimental 
to us today as followers of Christ that it would have destroyed the church I don't believe that God would have allowed the things to happen the way that they have but what is happening is the church is destroying itself because rather than us being like Paul tells us to be like he reminds us to be in Romans 13 rather than us being subjective and submissive to the authority rather than us offering honor and respect we are downing and calling names we are we are saying things like let's go Brandon over and over and over again now, I, I could talk about that statement for an hour and tell you that it's a completely inappropriate statement for a believer to be saying. And here's why I believe that it tells us in Scripture to avoid all irreverent babble. Well, if we're avoiding irreverent babble, then that would certainly qualify. And the reason it would qualify is not because of the words you're saying, but the words that they stand for. It's about us looking to destroy what God has built. Folks, selfishness is overtaking the world today. Selfishness is overtaking the church today. And the reality is, is that we're more concerned with our rights than with doing the will of God. We're more concerned with our rights than following the word of God. And we're in a dangerous position today. If you don't believe me, just watch how people act. Watch what happens when people say that they're for everyone. They're for this circumstance or that circumstance. But then the moment that something doesn't go to their liking, they immediately get angry and defensive and start talking about my rights, my rights, my freedoms, my this, my that. Hear me when I say this today. We have destroyed a witness by the way that we are behaving folks if you want people to see christ in you christ needs to be first in your life not your politics not your president not your belief system not any of these things christ christ alone needs to be first in your life jesus said if you want to follow me deny yourself take up your cross and follow me and see the church the reality of the first century church Christians were so little involved with societies that they were actually being arrested because they were not sociable. <laughs> I don't know that we shouldn't be sociable, but the reality of it all is that there's so much that's happening in the world today. And there's this idea of civil obedience versus civil disobedience. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, civil obedience is you follow authority, you submit, you you do what is happening in the place you are. So what was happening is that in under captivity, the Israelites were seeking the welfare of the city where they were being sent to exile. This is the direction of God in Jeremiah 29, 7. It says, seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will have welfare. In other words, pray for where you are. Pray for the, the people in authority to you because if they benefit, then you will. And then Pharaoh you know, they they ordered all of these things to take place. And, you know, 
the reality is that if we look at all of this, there is there's only one limitation for us as believers where we are under obligation to the Lord to, to willingly and completely submit to civil authority. And, and namely any law or command that would require disobedience to God's word. One of the things that we've done and we've taken up fight in, in, in our country today, and this is the thing that's really destructive, is that our fights are not even against the laws. It's against the absence of laws. If the law doesn't exist, what are we fighting? It's, it's kind of like what happened with, with the, um, in North Carolina when, when people voted in the sanctity of life, the sanctity of marriage. And then it was voted down by the court. They never instituted a law saying that any marriage beyond a man and a woman was legal. They just removed any that said it wasn't. See, that's the thing that we need to understand is if there's not a law on the book, what are we arguing for? Now, when it comes to abortion and something like that, I can see the argument being because it is murder and it's all about why we need to fight for the qualification of a unborn baby as being alive. It's all about that point of view that they want to throw at you. But the reality simply is this folks, there's places we should fight and places we shouldn't. Now I'm not saying ultimately what it adds up to is we've become so comfortable with our, with our government, with the schools, with the television, with all of these things, teaching our children the way that they need to grow up and how they need to behave in society, that we've now gotten angry when they have. And we see what's happening in society, but we're missing the point that we should have been teaching the core strength of God's word to our children at home. We should be in God's word. We should be praying to God. We should be asking for his guidance in our lives. And, and here's where the struggle is going to happen. There are times that civil disobedience might be called for with a believer. That is when they tell you to bow down. When they tell you to bow down to a false idol. You stand and you fight. You hold your ground. Because you will bow down to no one but God. But the fact that we've argued over who's kneeling and not kneeling for a flag really is destructive. In this. It, it, It's making the flag an idol. We're making our politics an idol. We're making this team or that team. We're making these things idols in our lives and we are putting them in front of God for the world to see so that everybody thinks, why would I want to be part of you? your group because you don't even believe what your scripture says think about daniel shadrach meshach and abednego when they stood against authority it was civil it wasn't an argument it was just we're not going to do this in fact they even went so far as to approach the authority and say can i try this they, they respectfully asked if they could eat something different. Now, we can look at all of these things. You know, we could talk about when the midwives weren't, didn't carry out the authority of killing the, the Hebrew children. We could talk about 
some of these places where we see these things, but it's important for us to note that even while refusing to do what God had forbidden them to do, these showed respect not only to God, but also to the authority that was in place. And this is where we're missing it today, Christians. If you feel that what the government is doing is evil and wrong, it's okay to take a stand, but there's got to be a civil way for us to do that where we are not calling names. We are not coming angrily. We are not stirring dissension. We're not trying. I mean, let's go, Brandon. Every time a Christian shares it, it makes me cringe because I know what it means. And so does everyone else. Calling names, calling, you know, saying things that are just completely awful and abusive calling your president a moron regardless of whether the one side did it and now the other side's doing it no one is right in that the reality simply is is that we as followers of christ set an example see what's happening is in all of these things we've got to show the same respect and God will protect us when we do. Think about what happened with Daniel. Daniel was given some authority. Daniel was shown favoritism. And then all of a sudden, the the town got angry and they made laws. They 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 started setting laws that would catch Daniel in his in the act of doing what God had told him to do. So Daniel continued to do the thing that God had told him to do at some point. Then he gets put into prison. And, and he gets thrown into a lion's den and God closed the mouths of the lions. And why? I'm going to tell you, every time that we see someone civilly stand up against gods or against things that are against God, against the enemies, when they civilly stand up and they do exactly as God has asked them to do, but they follow every other rule. They do every other thing that's out there. They, they are very cordial with things how many times in the scripture do we see that the leader who was a pagan who was not part of the group all of a sudden says well if anyone speaks falsely against the god of israel people were afraid of god the god of israel they were afraid of god and why? Because they had seen the power of God. The problem is, is nobody sees the power of God today and our world could care less about him. Why? Why is nobody afraid of God? It's because his people aren't showing the example. They don't see a reverent fear. They don't see us even adhering to his word. They see us living on these coattails, trying to do what we can do to make sure that everybody knows that we stand on this ground even though our lives do not reflect anything that the scripture says. Folks, when the Jewish leaders of Jerusalem warned Peter and John not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus, they replied, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking what we've seen and heard. Where is that fear of God today? That overflow of joy within us that we just can't stop speaking of God if we were doing more speaking of God and sharing the gospel and doing what God tells us to do in his word we would do less of arguing about the social issues that everybody's getting up in arms about 
We wouldn't do the internet searches. We would open up the scripture and we would just speak as God leads us. Folks, if you want to know current events, read the scripture. If you want to know about the things that are going on in life, read the scripture. Study the scripture. Let God talk with you. You and God spend some time together. The Lord commanded, go into all the world and preach the gospel. I'm not saying that we can't watch the news. I'm not saying that we can't be aware of certain circumstances and situations. I'm not saying that we can't be a part of society. What I'm saying, though, is that we need to be a godly part of society. It's Philippians 121 verses 221. It's that whole mentality, folks. It's that whole mentality of are you after the things of Christ Jesus? Are you for you to live as Christ and to die as gain? Philippians 121 or it's 221. They were after the things of themselves and not the things of Christ Jesus. Those are the only two people living in the world today. There is no middle ground. Either you're about the things of Christ or you're not. Either you're living according to his word or you're not. There is no middle ground. And, and the church is obligated as well to follow certain civil laws, to pay taxes, to do certain things. But we, we do have grounds with moral obligation as well. And I'm not saying moral obligation is in the worldly moral. I'm talking about godly obligation. If, if anything is asked of us by the government that goes against the word of God, then you better believe standing on the word of God is the way to go. Folks, why are we so political with our with our religion today? Why are we so political with our arguments in the church? Why are we why are we getting so caught up in the arguments that we forget to open the word? In most matters, in most situations, we are to respect and obey the civil laws and ordinances. We are to do something that needs to be done. And that is follow the rules. Respect the leaders. Respect the authority. Even if you don't agree with the authority, you respect the authority. But there is no respect anymore. For those who are in power positions that are in our society today. And that's a devastating thing to the church as much as it is anywhere else. Because it's taking it back home and we're showing no respect to our parents. We're showing no respect to our grandparents. We're showing no respect to our pastors. Folks, we're losing respect for anyone in an authority position. And it's complete and utter anarchy across the board. Why? Because it's all about me. Do you realize the biggest pandemic in this country today is selfishness? The biggest pandemic in this country today is selfishness. So what are we supposed to submit to? Well, first and foremost, God. Submit to God. Trust in his leadership. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That in itself is enough for me to say, I need to back out of these arguments because I don't know. But then it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. 
So if you're acknowledging him and you're following his word and you're following his way, he will guide you where you need be. There's churches in the world today that are facing persecution. If you were in America, you would probably not. And here's why. They're not shutting churches down. They haven't asked churches to stop meeting. They they suggested that churches maybe not meet or they invoke some sort of practices to protect for a pandemic, but they've not stopped anyone from doing anything. There's not one authoritative figure as far as law enforcement goes that has stepped in and, and other than maybe one church that I can think of that ended up winning a lawsuit recently about the way they were treated by the city after the whole thing. But that's neither here nor there. Persecution is not cause for rebellion. And I need to say that to say this. The scripture tells us those who wait upon the Lord many, many times. It tells us to wait upon the Lord many, many times. And and here's the reality is that when we are patient and we endure, do you not know that trials of many types develop perseverance? We're patient, we endure. It's not that we should seek persecution. And if we can escape it, maybe we should. But folks, if we're in persecution, there's no spiritual value to it. But whenever they persecute you in the city, Jesus went on to say, flee to the next. He didn't, you know, there's this argument that we, we could get into all of this. But regardless of the failures of the government, and believe me, there are many, they're immoral, they're unjust, they're ungodly. We know that. But we are to pray and live a peaceful life that influences the world. Not by political rhetoric, not by forcing things down their throat, not by telling them that this is how it should be done, not this. Not by getting involved in those arguments, but by godly, selfless living. Not by protests, sit-ins, and marches. Especially not by rebellion. It doesn't mean that we won't face persecution, maybe. It might. It might mean that we have to be patiently and endure it. But understand that the it's only in the Lord's power that we can do anything anyway. And we can stand up and we can speak out. But folks, engaging in a physical and violent battle, engaging in less than wholesome conversation, engaging in irreverent babble, engaging ourselves the way the world is engaged is only going to set us apart from the church where it should be. It's only going to set the wrong example. It's only going to show people that we're no different than them. Paul says to Titus in Titus 3.8 that it should be good and profitable for men. See, we should live good and profitable lives because it shows them the power of God in salvation. They see what a person saved from sin looks like. 
They don't see another sinful person struggling and trying to make the excuses saying, well, you know, God knows my heart. No, folks, we are called to live a different life. We are called to be set apart and we are called to shine in a way that they look at us and know something is different and they see what a life that has been saved from sin looks like. A life that God has intervened in, a life that it reflects Christ to the world. We've, we've heard it said in the church for years and, and it's true. What if you are the only example of Christ someone sees, but what they see looks just like them? Either they're going to think that Christ is just like them. They're going to think they can go on living in sin and not worry about it. Or they're going to think, I want nothing to do with this. Because you don't even hold to the things that are coming out of your mouth. Folks, Jesus was different. It doesn't mean he was different in shape or form. We're created in the image of God. Let's go back to that opening statement of rend Caesar what is Caesar's, rend God what is God's. I don't want to say it this way. To rend Caesar what is Caesar's, obey the laws. As long as they're not in conflict with spiritual matters, obey the laws. Pay the taxes. Do the things that they have asked you to do. Because they are the anointed of God. Because they are in the authority position. But ring God, what is God's? What does that mean? Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Let us create man in our own image. Male and female. He created them. In his image. We have been created in the image of God. Psalm 139 talks about how intricately we were created and how beautifully it was done. Folks. By being created in the image of God, it means that we are capable of being like him. But sin has divided us. But the blood of Christ can wash you. And you can uh, let Christ live in you and you can live the example. Again, you can follow after him by denying yourself, meaning you put aside selfish matters. You put aside the selfishness of this world. You put aside your wants, needs, and, and all of those things. And you focus first on Christ. He will take care of your needs as he reminded us in Matthew 20 or Matthew chapter six. But. We're still struggling. And why are we struggling? Because we have selfish wants that we think we, we misinterpret scripture because of them. Folks, either we're living with Christ for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Or we're after the things of ourselves and not the things of Christ Jesus. Those are the only two people we can become in this world. One involves the blood of Christ and a complete overhaul of our emotions and our mind and our spiritual nature. The other involves us following after the selfishness of the world. So which is it? I hope that better explains what I mean by submission to authority. By no means is there a moral obligation for us if it goes against God's word. And we can stand against the things of this world that are evil. We can enlighten people, but we just know that just like Jesus did, just like the disciples did, 
Anytime you come against something, the world says it's fine, but you know it's wrong according to scripture. We can't get angry, but we can enlighten. We can share with others the reason why we think the way we think. We share with them the the word of God and we allow that avenue to be open and let the spirit do the work. And if they reject what they're hearing, they've not rejected you, but God. Are you responsible for that? No, because you shared it with them. But to get fighting mad and get angry and, 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 and start throwing things and yelling names and calling, you know, getting involved in all of that. How is that any better? It tells us in our anger not to sin. Look, if you want to compare yourself to Christ, start with living as Christ. Otherwise, stop. Not that we shouldn't compare ourselves to Christ. He's the standard to which we hold ourselves. But hear what I'm saying in this. When you're out there and you're telling everybody that that you're a Christian and you're comparing yourself with him. And yet you keep talking about how sinful you are. But that God forgives and that's how it is. Jesus never sinned. He died for yours. And sometimes what we tell people about Jesus and how we act. We're not striving for his righteousness at all. Folks, we got to do both. We got to strive and seek the kingdom and his righteousness. And the righteousness is only attainable through the blood bought sacrifice of Jesus Christ in your life. So again, I hope it helps. I hope you find encouragement in what I've said. I hope it's something that you can really embrace and understand that we're not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to stir anybody to fight. I'm trying to stir people to love. Love like Christ. Love one another as I have loved you. That's the words he said over and over and over again. But by no means do you have to sit idly by and watch the world collapse into evil. You can stand your ground. You can stand on the word of God and you can speak the truth. And by speaking the truth, hopefully, I guess the best way I can word that is to go to Jeremiah 26 two, where he tells Jeremiah, stand in the courtyard, speak the words I give you and hold nothing back. And then he continues on through that and he says, and in doing so, hopefully. There are some who will hear and will listen to what you have to say. Folks, we can share the gospel today and hopefully some will hear and listen to what we have to say. But let's make sure that we're sharing what God has given us and not some selfish argument that we heard on the news or that we heard somebody else rattle off a few minutes ago. But that we're sharing the truth of God's word with the world around us. And that is hopefully what they will hear and listen and apply to their lives today. I hope you have a great day. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Follow us on Facebook, Where the Wild Things Aren't. You can search it for it there. Share it with your friends. I, I don't like to do this shameless plug, but I believe that this is something that needs to get out there today. And so please share it with your friends. I hope you're having a blessed, blessed time. And uh, have a good fall, y'all. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Where the Wild Things Aren't podcast. You can get it on all major platforms that are out there. So we thank you for joining us wherever you're listening. If you want to go listen to another one, 
on another podcast, uh, feel free. We, we'd love the plays. Share it with your friends. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash where the wild things aren't podcast. No apostrophe in there, no spaces. But you can find us on Facebook or just search for the where the wild things aren't podcast on Facebook. Send us a message. Let us know how we can be praying for you. Also, if you just need someone to talk to about the Lord, we'd love to do that as well. We try to get a new episode up every week on Friday. So until next week, enjoy your week in the Lord. Thanks for listening to the Where the Wild Things Aren't podcast. <laughs>